Hello and welcome, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into the final episode of Discologist, at least for the for the time being. Yes, it's true. We are we are going away, uh, and uh, for a good reason, because we have a lot of other things to do uh, out here in the world. Uh, before we signed off here, um, obviously we had to get one more episode in episode five hundred. Uh, we that was always going to be our stopping point, I think. But uh, I, I wanted to make it clear what the show was that you have hopefully been tuned into all these years. Um, and uh, do you, you guys like the ambience? You like the Xanadu soundtrack? I love the Xanadu soundtrack. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Xanadu soundtrack, but uh, it's 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 pretty chill. I'd say give it a shot. Uh, at any rate, um, this show we talked about a lot of albums. We talked to a lot of artists. Um, we argued about a lot of things, but uh, I think what, in the end, and what was completely surprising to me, uh, what this was all about, was finding your family. And I certainly did uh, in all of this work over the past nine years with this and almost ten years uh, with ChunkyGlasses.com. I, uh, when we started this podcast, there was only three of us, and. Um, it grew and grew as people sort of wanted to uh, take part in it. Uh, I still to this day don't know why. Um, someday, like, Aubrey Menard would just be like, hey, can I come hang out in the basement with three dudes? Um, not really <laughs> the usual behavior. Or somebody like Carrie would go from aggressively correcting our calendar, our show calendar, uh, to uh, being one of the best voices on the show. Uh, and uh, and one of the best people in my life, in Daria's life. Um, but all of this happened somehow. Uh, in talking about all this music, we we found our family. We all found each other. And it is, uh, for me, I, again, it was totally unexpected. But um, if there's anything that I'm taking out of this, uh, it is that. Because these people, Carrie, Andre, Eduardo, Paul, Madeline, Mauricio, Wes, uh, Drew, Michael, and Casey, and, and just so many, so many more people um, that we had in our home when we were in Washington D.C. Um, and we've kept up with. It's just uh, uh, magical. So that has been the show. That has been what you have listened to. That you have listened to our lives on tape. Little slices of them. I, I hope you got a, uh, an impression. Or a glimpse at how fantastic all these other people are uh, who took part in this because they really uh, are the best of us. And um, it is very, uh, I'm blessed to have this have somehow worked out this way. And I will miss that. But I also, um, you know, we don't need a mic in front of us to talk. Uh, and that's something I'm going to have to learn to do. And uh, because for so many years, that is mainly how we got together. Uh, and I am greatly uh, looking forward to that um, because I can't imagine my life without these people in it. Um, more so than I couldn't imagine life without music in it. Music is a huge part of my life, of all our lives. But this is, uh, you know, now it is time to, uh, to sort of put that down. And uh, spend some time with your people. So that's it. That's the show. Uh, we one more episode. Uh, we joke at the end. 
that we are going to uh, do another episode. There is no episode, um, but uh, thank you guys as well. Um, I've interacted with a bunch of you guys over the year, years, and um, your opinions matter. Uh, even if our opinions differ, that's the point. Opinions can differ, uh, and you learn by being faced with something that you don't necessarily believe, and then uh, exploring that instead of outright rejecting it. At least that's how I run my life. So, uh, with that little maudlin thing out of the way, I guess uh, you know it is getting a little dusty in here. I hope you guys that the ambience is still doing it for you. But let's let's get on to it. This final episode of Discologist. Uh, thank you guys again tuning in and uh, we will see you somewhere down the road for now here's me ed and paul picking up pretty much right where we left off uh, hope you enjoy it bye just got the benefit of having the kind of voice that still works uh even after you've chugged two bottles of wine on stage so you know <laughs> yes it's, <laughs> yeah that plays yeah yeah so you know stone temple pilots a fantastic pop band we're gonna now switch gears to talk about maybe the greatest pop band of all time and uh we're gonna leave the 90s behind we might come back here in, in a few minutes, but for now, uh, we're going to go a place that we have <laughs> have been maybe scared to go. Maybe we shouldn't go here, but it is important to go here because uh, this is uh, legit. Uh, anybody who knows me, one of my favorite bands. Here we go. Oh 
According to science right now, there's approximately 65% of our listening audience who are doing some sort of like Jeff Bridges Lebowski impression going, man, I hate the Eagles. Uh, it took over our culture with the big Lebowski, but it, I think it revealed like this, this, this weird undercurrent of people who legitimately hated the Eagles, uh, which is a weird thing to me because uh, – and just from a numbers standpoint – they released this album, The Eagles' Greatest Hits, and it was one of the earlier like greatest hits albums uh, of that era, and it has sold 38 million copies. Like it, it stayed. It, it and Dark Side of the Moon stayed in the charts for so long, like they can't even count it anymore. <laughs> it's like I think Dark Side just re-entered. <laughs> uh, just, they zeroed. They zeroed the meter, and it had to start over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, rolled that over. Like, let's, but but you know, this is a band uh, mainly uh, fronted by Don Henley and uh, Glenn Fry. These guys started out in uh, studying with uh, Jackson Brown, uh, Linda Ronstadt. There was a California scene in Los Angeles where, and this is Laurel Canyon, like literally, where people were discovering the country rock of of the birds, of Graham Parsons, and wanted to take it in an entirely uh, different and weird, I will admit, direction because they wanted to make money. And, and so what I want to get at first when we're talking about the Eagles, uh, well, I want to I, I want to say why they are so important to me. I grew up on the East Coast. I have uh, I grew up in the 80s on the East Coast. This out al- there was no chance you didn't have this greatest hits album. So that's a win on their part, which uh, we'll talk about that in Fugazi actually in a minute. Um, but uh, but so so you have limited access to music if people can like believe that. At this point in history. And so what you hear is stuff that really punches through the market. And this stuff, though, um, without having access to a lot of country music, uh, touches on stuff that is now really what I pursue, which is like uh, the outlaw country sound, Bakersfield, all that stuff. But it's also like cheesy 70s rock and roll, which I definitely <laughs> is part of my DNA. And it told stories, though. And every single thing you can everything you can throw at Don Henley and Glenn Fry criticism, what you can't say is that they are bad storytellers. I would I would agree with that. Um, I think they're also I think they're also uh, this is one of those bands that, you know, whether um, whether you like them or not, 
there are musicians that you like that um that like them so however you feel you know um uh whether it's whether whether your sort of personal nemesis is led zeppelin steely dan uh, the Eagles or Credence, uh, it's literally impossible to listen to any music recorded after 1992 and not have one of those bands be influencing what you're listening to. So I, I you know, the, the, um, the Eagles though, do have a kind of different baggage than some of than I think a lot of those bands do, because I think they probably, as you said, Kevin, just more explicitly like were chasing commercial success in a way that a lot of these other great bands wouldn't necessarily say they were they were out to do. Um, maybe Credence. Um, they why do so so why do people I get why people don't care for the Eagles, but why do people hate the Eagles? That that. That's that's what we're yeah. trying to figure out. I, I, I think part of it is the personality uh, or Don Henley. I, I, I think Anglin Fry. I think and it is weird because they aren't the only ones who are like this, but they're they're extremely self. Well, right, calling your reunion thing what you know when like hell hell froze over is yeah hell is, is, over, is yeah. certainly an odious move. Like that is that is worthy and, of hate. And and there's some of my favorite songs uh, on this like their their final album, The Long Run. There's a song called The Sad Cafe. Right. And it is talking about like gentrification in, in California. It's like, y'all are the gentrifiers. <laughs> like, there's so much, like, there's so much like lack of self awareness in this. But even at the same time, you know, Henley's like Walden Foundation, like, they're, they're doing good. They just don't have uh, time to be like normal, like, humans and somehow sympathetic to their surroundings. But they were fantastic musicians is why Ronstadt used them. She wanted the best to go out on the road with them. So she hired them and then she kicked them out when she said, you guys are better than me. So let's just like, you go start your own band and, and I'm going to carry on with these other people and got Jackson Brown to tour with her for a while. But, I, but I think too, it's, it's people were used to country being one thing and then here they come along and making it about cocaine and making it about uh, like lots of drugs, lots of sex, uh, and and stuff that was explicitly California. At least the perception was. I mean, Paul, you grew up in California, yep. so what uh, what do Californians think of the? Eagles? Well, I wouldn't want to paint all the, all Californians with the same brush. I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> I and I don't live there now. I am I'm, I'm up in California's hat. So uh, <laughs> it's I I don't know. I I had my experience with the Eagles growing up was uh exactly what you just said, the greatest hits album. I think I uh, got that in my 12 albums for a penny uh Columbia House deal like a lot of people, uh, which probably juiced their numbers a little bit. But um I don't know. I I want to kind of get back to what you were saying about why do people hate them? And I think that there's probably a lot of reasons uh, for people to hate them. But it's like when you see somebody who is as blatant about wanting to make money and hit it big and then they actually do make money and they hit it big, <laughs> like you're going to have a lot of people that hate you. And then you dig in a little bit more and, and you were just saying, yes, it's very California, but it's very California in a very uh, – slippery impersonal way which i guess might be a very california thing or especially a very la thing it was the perception of california for sure but that's but that's the thing so you've got musicians who are saying i want to be popular i want to make money to do this i'm going to tell stories with 
good musicians, good musicianship and really slick production behind it. And those stories are going to have absolutely nothing to do with me personally. And whether you know what they mean or not, you're going to listen to them and you're going to start humming them in your head. Like that'll piss people off because they're like, I'm not getting anything personal out of this. You're not even pretending to be doing it for the art. And it's going to stick there because you're really good well, at what you're doing. <laughs> you, see, you see, and that, and that's the point. Like you say, you're not pretending to do it for the art. Writing a good song is an art. And I, and I feel like, you know, the difference, all three bands we've talked about today are people who were excelled at pop. The difference is, is that the Eagles came along at a time when people were just ready to embrace that this could just as easily been Stephen Malcolmus. Well, and I and I if think he, like, you know, he 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 has he has spoken um, approvingly of of the Eagles and tried to emulate of course he uh, some of that approach. I, I I I think I think they absolutely deserve credit for the fact that like millennia after humans are gone from the face of this earth, like tens of thousands of years after it turns out our species was a terrible idea and the planet's done with us, there will still be somewhere a broken transistor radio playing Hotel California. Like I, like it is, it will, it will, it is like the Mona Lisa and the pyramids will be dead and gone. Yeah. Hotel California will be traveling across the universe and will still somehow land in a transistor radio that somehow has survived many nuclear winters. I actually have to say that the the symbolism of that is so obvious that I expect it to be in a flash forward in a DC Universe movie <laughs> at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this the part where we trash Wonder Woman? Um, uh, no, yeah, you know, look, you know, to your point, Paul, they had the audacity to just name an album Hotel California. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are super dicks. Like, it's, it's a super dick. But on that, like, you look at the songs on this, the title track, which is ubiquitous for something, like, there's nothing like it. Not Stairway to Heaven, not Bohemian Rhapsody, but it is occupies, I guess, that space. Uh, you've got, like, New Kid in Town, which is a fantastic uh, song, co written by JD Souther. Uh, Life in the Fast Lane, not so good, but it also was like, really getting people to accept Joe Walsh outside of his James gang stuff. There's ballads on this stuff that when I, I, I will admit I only hold on to because when I was a kid, I didn't know shit about shit, but I hear something like wasted time. And I think back to like a girl I had a crush on in like freshman or sophomore year of school. And I'm like, damn, that's deep. That song's not deep. <laughs> That's that, that's really good writing and understanding like exactly what the human condition uh, is and just compared to take like, it easy, it's it pretty that. deep. Well, that's a Jackson Brown song, <laughs> so so that's not on them, man. Um, you, you know, but they they one thing that they did really well that has has held me to the Eagles. Besides these stories, is the musicianship. They were all first of all the vocals on these things to this day remains like impeccable. They they worked on this as hard as the Beach Boys did. The Grateful Dead like got there some at some points in their history, but they they really were focused on on this tradition of singing because no matter what they're singing about at that point, it brings you in. When you hear a bunch of people singing in perfect unison, you you your ears perk up and you're like, what is that? And eventually you learn to love it because we're just hardwired to like love that type of shit. But you know, they 
on uh, what is it? One of these nights, I think, is the uh, is the album. Um, they they took some bad journeys, and they overestimated their talents. To be sure, there's this thing, uh, the journey of the sorcerer. In fact, <laughs> they did these like weird instrumentals. And really thought so much of themselves that people would give a fuck, and they don't. This is always skipped on their catalog. Uh, and and look at the Desperado album; they 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 thought they were making a western. And Paul's like, no, don't. Look. <laughs> Here's the thing: the Desperado album contains like basically the core, and this was their third album, the core of like why they're such good players, because they could do all these tales of debauchery. And uh, general, you know, romantic, whatever Desperado is. Uh, I, I've come down to this uh, on your side, Paul, because we have talked a little bit about the Eagles, uh, where Desperado might not be a good Yeah, I, I think that was <laughs> one of the takes that I had that got the strongest reaction on the podcast over the I, years. I don't even know. Did that? I don't even know if that ended up on oh, a okay. line. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but this song off of Desperado uh, – any band who wears a vest in 2020, if they were able to pull this off, uh, you'd be like, this is this is one of the best bands of all time. And this is why the Eagles persist and how their influence is felt. This is Saturday night. Seems like a dream now it was so long ago The moon burned so bright and the time That's pleasing as fuck to me, but Paul, maybe it's not. I, I mean, it's not that it's not pleasing at some level. It's just that it's not nearly as clever as they think it is. Uh, the, the long pause on someone show me how to tell the dancer from the dance is really like freshman year dorm room after someone took a hit and thinks they came up with the most clever thing they have 
that you've ever heard. Is is that not just like music snobbery though? I because look, this is what people want. Thirty eight million copies. Well, dude. That's the thing is, if you've sold thirty eight million copies, then it doesn't matter what you know. Some dude, some dude saying that they don't like it after they already bought your greatest hits album. Like they've got my money already. <laughs> so who cares? So so greatest hits albums are. Um, they used to be really important, and and for the kids listening, that's like the most popular songs on an artist's page on a streaming service. So, um, and and before you could just listen to those, you had to go buy a whole album. And so, um, there's there's a reason, and there were weird licensing things, and and so they're they're sort of unique creatures. I can I can see why, and I think it probably makes a lot of sense for the Eagles' greatest hits to be one of the all time best selling anything's. Um, because it would have just been from a utilitarian standpoint of like bang for your buck. You know, everyone is at an age at some point where those are the songs that they need. The The, the question with the Eagles to Paul's point, and I, I don't think it's snobbery. I think it's just that, you know, at some point you're no longer 19, um, is, is just how many of the people who would go out and buy a bunch of Eagles or, or really want to listen to their music today are going to be people who have... Um, absorbed and understood all of the other music that's been made and then still want to go back to the Eagles and think, but this is where, this is where I live. This is where I am. And other than Kevin. (laughs) Uh, You know, I can exist at multiple points in history. Uh, No, that's a valid point, but I, but I think there's no, you don't need to abandon stuff like that uh, as, as you like you're, Tastes grow, your tastes get more sophisticated. Uh, you can acknowledge that uh, this stuff actually does serve a purpose, and and to the point that we've talked a lot about over these five hundred episodes is when you talk about basic music, which which I do think the Eagles are. I, I think this is basic in the way that that country music uh, session players and pop country today can just bang out hits. You know, they, they there's a formula to that, and they they know it. And they can execute it. That's a, that's a that's a skill. But people want it, and I think that's often what we we miss when people say they hate the Eagles. It's like, well, y'all bought it. Like Paul said, you got my money. Like so, clearly you don't. Um, and clearly, if you look at that greatest hits volume one, those are the, those are the songs that are kind of outside the stuff they were doing at that time. But it turned out that people wanted those songs, and that's what was the hit for them. And uh, so it was like expertly packaged. And so they sort of shifted from trying to do songwriting stuff and and more esoteric stuff to just this weird amalgamation of sleaze and country and pop. Uh, and uh, and it served them well. And it, so I, I don't know – what the impact of Hotel California was like when it was released. I was alive, but I, but I don't, I don't remember. No idea. And to be clear, I, I, I want to draw a distinction here because I don't hate the Eagles. This is not just a Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't particularly like the Eagles. And I think there's a big difference there where it's just like, it's okay. If somebody wants to, if somebody wants to put it on, I might roll my eyes a little bit, but I'm not going to leave the room. It's just wallpaper. So... And and it, that's also not a con- like 
that's not like saying it's not like strolling onto Twitter today and saying I hate Steely Dan, which will which will earn you um, you know the disrespect and ire from people you've never heard about. Um, so I think it's okay to to rag on the Eagles, and it's probably a little bit well well deserved. Um, I still I still struggle with like, but are they? I don't know if I could fix one thing that was wrong with the world. Would the Eagles be be that thing? Um, almost <laughs> de- de- depending on what what the other stuff cost. Almost certainly, probably not. But uh, that would not be yeah. my wish to ma- to Max Lord. I, 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 <laughs> oh, spoilers! Don't you wish? Don't you wish the Eagles had never existed? Yes. Damn. What would you um, have to give up for that wish? <laughs> Man, uh, a good plot yeah. oh. for a movie, probably. I, I also uh, <laughs> just want to point out real quick that um, you know when Hell Freezes Over came out, that was a real like okay boomer moment for anybody alive in the '90s that yes. wasn't a boomer. But the gap between the Eagles' first album and Hell Freezes Over is about the same as the gap between this podcast and Pavement's last album. So. That's the that's where we're living <laughs> nice. right now. Nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I, I want to play another song to, to show that like um as much as I love them, like this may be why uh people hate it. I, I misidentified the song earlier, uh, Sad Cafe, uh, which is um meta commentary on the band, I guess, but it was also Don Henley trying to be romantic. And it's hard when you have a bunch of Botox in your face and you do too much cocaine. But uh, but this is um, this ends Hotel California. Um, and first of all, let's just take the title, "The Last Resort." Come on, <laughs> audible groans. <laughs> but I want to listen to it. We're, it's a seven-minute track. We're only going to play six minutes and fifty seconds. Here you go. Just as her father came across the sea She heard about a place people were smiling They spoke about the red man's ways and how they
So I think we can say objective. Like they call it paradise. I don't know why. They, they laid the mountains low, like the whole low, while the whole town got high. 
Objectively, those are bad words that have been put together for a bad purpose. Um, but I don't think this. This is what is fascinating. So I like that because it's such a misfire, and 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 Henley feels it. Like there's no question Henley like feels this shit. It's just this is what happens when you do too many drugs and are too far up that, that ass. song is so much worse than Jason Isbell's White Man's World. <laughs> it's inspiration for it. Paul Paul's face right now. It's like <laughs> I've never heard this song before and reading the lyrics. Holy shit. Wow. I mean there are lyrics I won't quote here because they are racist. Oh, go for it! But um, well, let's well, quote them, man. Let's, let's do it. I, no, there's there's part of it that I won't right. actually say, but uh, I am going to say: is is there anybody Native American in uh, the Eagles? Uh, yes. Actually. Okay. Well, that's good was. then. At least they got somebody who could have <laughs> signed off on it. <laughs> Some rich men so, came so, and raped the land. Nobody caught them. Put up a bunch of ugly boxes, and Jesus people bought them. Yeah, that, that's a lyric, I suppose. That is, that is that is a lyric that they wrote. And but to your point, like you didn't know this song. How many people have who claim to hate the Eagles have never ventured into this this song? They just never get to this point. They probably don't. So. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I know. I wish I had never heard this song. <laughs> that part. That part. I can definitely say. Like I'm a worse person oh, for no. knowing that this song exists. Oh man, uh, better or worse than having watched Wonder Woman? Um, like, what's the impact? It was, there? It was worse. This is shorter. <laughs> this is everything is shorter than Wonder this, Woman. This is like like this this makes like someone like Father John Misty seem like sort of sober and reasonable and humble. Right. Well that that was that was gonna be that's sort of why I played that because you know the impact you know, you consider somebody like Father John Misty singing songs like this, which is he gets the same flack for them. But there is stuff to find in his work that is actually brilliant, that is actually uh, worth uh, paying attention to, but also all this misguided stuff. Um, and I don't know how many bands today still do that because that's actually not the safe path. So for the Eagles, and I'm not making a strong argument for this, I'm just saying like they, despite their, their instant and massive and consistent success, like they did not necessarily just cynically do all this they just were like trying to get to a, a better place for them so they could make a song like this which was sure? so wrong-headed i'm not but i mean why would you put this at because the end of hotel california you i didn't i mean it's not usually this, this bad is, but usually like you've got the album you've got the singles and then there's a few spots that you can yeah. fill in where folks can say like oh i'm doing my either my, my artistic thing or I'm going to make a social statement. And the record execs would say, you know, whatever. We got the four singles on here. I don't care about the rest of it. So that has to be this. Somebody who was really high thought that this was a statement that they wanted to make. But I don't know that this is like what they were trying to do. <laughs> yeah, this this has this this to me has the same quality of like um you know the way that like Neil Young's um 
rocking in the free world is like misunderstood and sung sort of like like the people singing along to the song in the concert in in uh or who think it's an important song and who say oh well they're this is their message song you know they're really saying something um first of all they're 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 not saying anything well um, okay okay look 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 woke <laughs> like 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 is 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 not henley's effort worth something as misguided as it was no <laughs> this was this was a blind spot that a lot of um bands from this time had where they had like maybe they spent some time on like native land somewhere or there was and and I I will gladly include the Grateful Dead in this in this category of like well we spent three weeks in the desert you know eating peyote with this guy who said he was a shaman and now mm-hmm. and now we feel connected to the ancestral roots of this land and we understand uh, that uh, you know conquerors came through and 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 took it from a peaceful people who lived here. Maybe they use Native American imagery on all their album covers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's. <laughs> As a song that is trying to address an issue, um, or even raise awareness of an issue, I, 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 it does not feel it does not feel like a hit to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, did we find out why people hate the Eagles? I'm, I'm, is this it? They're self-important yeah. and annoying, and uh, they're more they're more detestable than I realized <laughs> at the start of this conversation. Wow, this didn't go the way I planned. <laughs> <laughs> this went completely. I still, wrong. Like, I still like the so even, but <laughs> you know, Edward, right. one of these days you're gonna have to come to your senses because outriding <laughs> one of these nights, so perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> one of these nights. Oh, <sighs> uh, yeah, I mean, all of what we're saying is is correct. Like this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. But I guess my point is like, it's okay to like awful shit. And you all like awful mm-hmm. shit. If you're listening to this, you like awful shit. There's no <laughs> yeah. like one one thing that's always like like kind of driven me crazy is when I talk to people about music who grew up wanting to do this because of Pitchfork. Like it, it, they have to have this like list in the back of of their mind of like uh, check the boxes of all the cool bands that you're talking about, and nobody has that history. Like nobody was given like Velvet Underground, uh, White Light, White Heat, like when they were like six years old. <laughs> Period. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've only you know, made people Bodie try listen to Loaded so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. This is like post that. Now we're 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 way past that. But it's like the reason people hate Pablo Honey. It's the reason people like can't just look at something and just be like, "Hey, maybe this is good." In the case of the Eagles, I, I, I'm not going to let that slide. I hate Pablo Honey because it's not a good album. But you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the point. Like you, you, it is a good album. It's a demonstrably good album. It is the reason you got to enjoy Radiohead in the future. If it weren't a good album, then there would be no the bands. There'd be no OK Computer or anything. I respect the fact that uh, it was made and that it was popular enough that one of my favorite bands got to make more and better music. It does not mean that I like that album, though. Are we talking about Dawes now? <laughs> no, God, no. Why are we coming back to Dawes? <laughs> you said your favorite band. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Uh, Since we are doing a outtakes podcast, I'm just remembering that 
Dawes show that we went to, Kevin. Do you remember <laughs> the guy that – I yeah. do. He, he, he was a correspondent for a site in D.C. that I believe is still there called All Things Go. Yeah. We were ripping on Dawes a lot, and I think he was wearing a Dawes shirt. So, <laughs> Yeah, we were there to see Blitz and yeah. Trapper. And he was there to see Dawes. And uh, and I say this every time we talk ill of Dawes, uh, but they're, they're remarkably like sweet individuals. I hung out with him like backstage at Newport the first year I covered that just randomly like drinking a beer with Dawes. And I was like, oh, you guys are pretty cool. Uh, but uh, they are the modern eagles. You know, minus the ability to craft a hit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel I feel prepared now if there if the tastemakers do try to foist like a second wave of the Eagles on us now, I feel a little bit more prepared to push back on that. In the same way that I'm sure there are people who were like, when did when did Steely Dan become cool again? Was it five years ago? Was it ten years ago? Um if someone tries to do that with the Eagles, I think I think there's uh, I think I think I think Patriots will take to the streets and stop it. Well, I mean, with the Eagles, like I think it, it is complicated because it is there's so many good songs and there's so many problematic songs, and, and I think if you just consider them like that instead of just taking and this goes for any band instead of just looking at the band and being like I just love this band, like look at the work they do. Everything Malcolmus does is not uh, is not well. Actually, that's not true. Everything he does is great. Everything doesn't resonate with me, and that's and that's fine. That's important. That's important to like how you as a listener like accept music into your life, and then how you tell other people about it. Because it serves so many like so many different purposes. Like Daria is like obsessed with like Dua Lipa right now. And I'm never going to listen to Dua Lipa, except when she has it on the kitchen radio, which is like kind of always. So I'm listening to a lot of Dua Would Lipa. Would you say right you're now. done trying to and figure it, her out? <laughs> I, I, I don't even um, understand but, that reference. <laughs> but, 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 you know, and, and having it on, there's no point. Like I listen to it. And I'm like, that's not going to fit any vibe that I'm feeling, but cool. I would um... – we're we're clearly off topic. Um, if you go back, if you go back and watch her recent performances on SNL, pay attention. Pay attention to the bassist and guitarist. They look like they would be really fun to watch do something else or be like in another band. Well, that's all of those yeah. musicians. Like it's all show business. No matter how authentic you think the band that you love is, it's all fucking show business. Steely Dan is all show business. They're just better at like making the music than most other people. But obviously, people hate Steely. <laughs> like a lot. I, I've got this shirt. Uh, let's see. I don't know if you guys can see it. It's like Steely Dan as Peanuts character. Oh, I know that one. I know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I want it. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, it's like and uh, Daria sees it and she's like, "That's a microaggression." <laughs> she doesn't even want to see the shirt. <laughs> But, but, but so like you can understand like people like are like uh, this is not for me. Yes, but you can't ever look at Steely Dan and be like these guys fucking suck. There was a recent, um, now that the best show is back, there Tom Sharpling did do a recent episode where he was just like the lines are open, call me and convince me to like Steely Dan. Um, and it's a it's a very good two and a half hours of and 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 many calls end with him being like you're supposed to make them like me make me like them more not dislike them more than than I did when you got on the phone but um, yeah I think they're they're um, they're not you know the 
where they're different from the Eagles to me is just um, Steely Dan clearly hated everything, including themselves and their own music and their fans. And, uh, you know, the, the entire system that they were in and basically set out to like make as much fun of themselves and their fans as possible. And I feel like the Eagles are not sort of operating at that, at that level. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, can you explain something to me? I'd like uh, the Kevin song exploder on uh, the disco strangler. That's that's shit. That's what I'm talking about. Like you can instantly, you can point to a song on an Eagles album and be like, that's instantly shit. That's absolute, that's ass. In fact, let me pull up that album. This this long run. Um, There's some charm in some of these songs. Uh, I can't tell you why it's a great song. In the City, which is the song at the end of The Warriors. Mm. You know, Warriors, come out and play. That, um, that's at the end of the, uh, Joe Walsh made its way on to an Eagles album. But the... Disco Strangler, Teenage Jail, and those shoot, and the Greeks don't want no freaks. That's half of an album that is absolute shit. Now it is their last album, and yet I am still an Eagles fan because you can go back through and I can be like, I just don't have to listen to that. You know, the big lesson of twenty twenty might be just that um enduring sometimes is its own reward and you have clearly withstood the test of time on this one kevin and you're still standing strong yeah. in your eagles fandom after after and, everything that's happened and that and and maybe 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 that should be enough yeah i don't i don't celebrate hell freezes over <laughs> nobody should that's <laughs> <laughs> terrible i did, i think they did like a hell freezes over 2 i believe they did or 3 <sighs> <laughs> This is a this is a hard band to defend. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't even think the point was to defend it. Like, did Michael McDonald ever sing with the Eagles? I believe he did. Seems seems that likely. would instantly increase their. It cash seems in. likely that he did. Yeah. Hmm. I also noticed that he's not mentioning Long Road Out of Eden at all. Uh, well, okay, so so like many bands, <laughs> um, we we don't talk about. Like there's a, there's a, there's a stopping mm-hmm. point. So you, if you break up, you're kind of broken up. Very r- rarely. Can can we think of any bands that have, not that we haven't talked about, but have broken up and come back and it's been successful? Sleater Kenny. And, and, and I swear to God, Paul, if you say Sleater I just Kenny, said Sleater Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I know so, cities to love is. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting yeah, no, no, no cities I'm to love is good. Car. The center, the center won't hold. Okay. Is you're breaking up. That's off. not a great album. Yeah, it depends on how you define uh, success here. Because if you define it as like, do you sound like you did the first time around? Then Jane's Addiction certainly do. Um, is the music is the music any good the second time around? The answer is absolutely not. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Slater Kinney got one one good album out of out of coming back together. Anybody else? Um, yeah, I think it goes to what Eduardo was saying about how do you define success? If you think it's another good album coming out, because you know, I I thought that the shows that well the the first round of shows the Pixies did after they came back uh, were a lot of fun. Yeah, but there was no good music that came af- out of the 
Pixies coming back together, but they still just sounded good on stage. No. You know, I, I was going to say Arcade Fire, but not only did they not break up after the suburbs, they made no good music after the suburbs. So, <laughs> like, they just don't apply to any of this. Oh, that was nice to hear. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard to think of a band that really, like, came back. It really was like, hey, guys, we're back and you're going to love it. Aerosmith? No. No. I feel like I've, I've got one. Toto? <laughs> oh, they never recovered from that Dune soundtrack. Um, who else? There's a Blondie reunion album, isn't there? That can't be good. No, there isn't. Um, Did... The Portishead album that they made after coming back together uh -huh. was pretty good. Yeah. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. Worth exploring if the series were going. Was that on. a was that a was that a breakup <laughs> or did they just sort of like put their instruments down for a while? Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. Yeah. Was it a twenty-year hiatus or did, yeah. <laughs> did they actually break up? It's like the it's I mean, like the Strokes or the Walkman. Like like I don't know if the Strokes were ever broken up, but the Walkman right. I think just said specifically like we're just we're just not doing anything for a while. We don't know for how long, and we're not using the word breakup. And Porta said, "Live at Roseland is one of my favorite live albums of all time. That yeah. is a hell of an album." Yeah, yeah. We never talked about Porta said. Huh. Oh, well, we could have done that too. But I think that the three we talked about today fit together really well thematically. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Although I don't think people hate Stone Temple Pilots or Pavement as much as they hate <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Um, unless Pavement has a, a Hell Freezes <clears throat> Over album coming out. I can't I can't see them uh <laughs> they're supposed to they're supposed to play dates again in twenty twenty one, I think. They were gonna play shows in twenty twenty. Well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> I mean But they won't they won't know, they won't be the making music, new music. The music industry is really strange right now. So people have been driven to lengths. Um one one thing uh, before we get out of here, I I've been wondering about too is like when you talk about bands coming back, uh influential bands that we Actually, we never talked about TV on the radio, mm. um, even though I've done a few wow. write-ups yeah. of albums, uh, which is weird because they influence so much, uh, especially especially black artists today. Um, they they they're, they're it's it, how much it seeped into uh, stuff was just uh, insane, and the, the fact that they've been gone now for almost ten years is even equally more crazy. Yeah, there's a lot in like, there's, yeah, there's sort of like that almost like electronic, a trap, like early trap thing that starts to happen mm -hmm. on uh, on uh, their last record. And I certainly hear like, I hear them all over like the Barty Strange uh, record, for example. Barty Strange, uh, there's a few songs that are directly influenced by that off of Grey, yeah. Moses Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know... Are they coming back? I don't know. Interestingly, I saw them opening for the Pixies on one of those reunion tour deals, I think. <laughs> Man, I, I can't believe that we never actually talked about them. I could have sworn we talked about Nine Types of Light early on. You would have. No, I, I wrote a review. Of oh, man. The podcast didn't exist. It did not exist at the time. That's, I mean, uh, we never. I would, I, any, anytime you want to you know, bring the thing back, <laughs> you we can fix talk that? about TV on the radio. That'd be great. 
Well, maybe I mean maybe they'll do a reunion tour or something as bands are want to do. Um, we never talked about Rush, which is probably for the better. If I had to sum up Rush in one word, we'll we'll talk about it. this. Is gonna be a quick discussion. Uh, it's just hashtag weenus, <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm gonna leave it on the listener to be like, is that good or bad? I don't know. I don't, is it? I know, Paul, you're a bigger fan than I, that. I like Rush. Um, I think I've always talked them up a little bit more in our conversations just because I know you hate them. And it's <laughs> it's fun to talk them up. But they're fun. But they're, they are exactly what all of the criticisms of them say they are. They're music for, you know, playing Dungeons & Dragons in your basement, too. And I – yeah do that so rush is fun <laughs> we we could have we, we could have had a prog episode if we we'd uh we we never got dave weigel on and he wrote that book about the history of Prague, and yeah. um, we exchanged some emails with him but it just never quite worked out to have him come on to talk about uh what was that book the show that never ends um yeah yeah and that would have been sort of all of the Prague feels. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that would. Have I, I feel like we, if you like the not... if you like the sequence from the Venture Brothers where he goes into the science hole, where you know where Rusty goes into the science hole and has all the visions from listening to Prague, then you should probably give Russia <laughs> Russia a try. If that makes you say I mean, uh, that is not a thing I would enjoy, then maybe that and King Crimson are not in your. Uh, in your bailiwick. Uh, don't get me started on King Crimson. <laughs> um, yeah, which is so weird because that should be in my wheelhouse, but it very clearly is not. And partially because of my love for Phil Collins, which we never get to. There, there is a fascinating discussion that if we ever come back will be uh, about the latter day Genesis. And Eduardo, I think you misunderstood what the, the whole episode was supposed to be about. You wanted to, and this is how we operate here actually, which is great. You wanted to go back and explore all the early Genesis. I was like, I'm not, I'm not with, that current on like, you know, I don't remember selling England right. by the pound out all, all that well. Right. <laughs> which again, hashtag weenus. <laughs> you, there's no need to do that at all ever in your life. Uh, but uh, but we were concerned with uh, Invisible Touch and I Can't Dance, which as a duology are like two intensely dark records. If you take off the one single from each. Yes. If you, if you take off the single from each, they're like weird prog masterpieces that happened in the 80s. And, and there's no explanation for why, except... It was also out. it's a super weird thing to to think that he, that that was hap that those two things were happening like fairly close it's it's sort of like Bruce Hornsby being in the Grateful Dead and also having that's just the way it is be like a chart topping single like it's not doesn't happen a right. lot that you have someone involved in such a legacy act at the same time as they are also like breaking new ground on the on the pop charts yeah yeah so that that was that was in the can there were a few that got canceled um or in the can, very few. Uh, we actually, I spiked one on Destroyer, and I spiked one on Crowded House for two different reasons. So Crowded House is another band that almost made it on here. They are one of my favorite bands, but they also, uh, it, it's just a lot to talk about them. Um, do you think we should have talked about this? Chill. Mouth is 
How many 311 days did we miss, Eduardo? <laughs> we, we missed all of them, as it turns out. There's, it's, it, it, it may be difficult, you know, there's like the bias of, uh, of where we are and how we look back on things. But there was a time when Sublime and 311 seemed to offer like... An exciting new musical idiom that seemed worthy of being explored. We didn't know it was going to lead where it did. We didn't know new metal was like around that corner. And maybe we should have seen it in hindsight, but. I, I almost suggested Sublime for this podcast today. So yeah. be thankful. Oh <laughs> what? Sublime with or without Rome? Uh, no, not Sublime <laughs> with Rome. The original oh, Sublime. Yeah, I don't think I would have been Yeah, okay you, you asked what we were listening to in uh, the Southern California desert yeah. in the mid-90s. A lot of Sublime. <clears throat> well, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like Sublime made people get a lot of tattoos that they regret. <laughs> but really... isn't that the sign of a truly great rock band? Actually, yes. <laughs> That's the ultimate branding. <laughs> Just it inspired you to get a tattoo that you probably should not have gotten. Uh, I saw somebody like uh, speaking of, I saw somebody like tattooing Dawes lyrics on their arms, and then <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And then uh, Taylor lyrics on their arms too. So not, not the Taylor lyrics I find easier to believe. The Dawes lyrics, weenus. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good word, right? It's, it's, it works. Uh, so at any rate, uh, we have talked pretty much long enough. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out for uh, low 500 episodes. We got one more left. Is it about Roxanne? Uh, and is it about Jesus Jones? Can I talk about we Is it God about EMF? It. Um, wait a minute. <laughs> Neds it's on dustbin. Neds it Neds. Yes, the band with what two bassists? No, when, when you say double bass, it means a completely different thing when you're talking about Neds Atomic Dustbin. Uh no, it's not gonna be about well, I mean it could be. It depends what you bring to that. Uh that could be part of the discussion, I think. And uh you know, like we said at the uh in an earlier podcast, taking a long break. Uh, don't know if we're coming back. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Uh, but if we do, then those will be things for us to talk about. We'll be in a different space. Hopefully everybody will be vaccinated. Hopefully everybody will be uh, safe. Hopefully everybody will be alive. That would be um, nice. That would be, be great. The baseline, yeah. the baseline of that would be uh, uh, ideal that we are all alive. But, uh, yeah, there's just uh, – you know, to wrap it up, it's just – it's impossible to think that in – 500 episodes in almost uh, I don't know how many hours that is, it even is it's insane the amount of hours that we've spent on this that you could still not still find stuff to talk about but that's music so Maybe some